you have your Bibles, you, you've already heard the text this morning out of Deuteronomy chapter 14. But we'll reread those two verses again. And what I want to bring to you this morning is what Pastor Greg asked me to, to uh, speak on this morning in the aspect of continuing the series of a healthy church. And uh, this has been a great series, what we've been here and, and participated in. But what I want to show you today, though it is on a specific topic, this aspect of what we're going to speak about today covers all what you've been hearing and what you will continue here in this series about a healthy church. Because if you don't get this aspect down about your, in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, then you're always going to have a wrong attitude or perspective of exactly what the Word of God is trying to say. Therefore, as we see this, we can see through the Scriptures that the Jews didn't preserve this attitude or this perspective on why they were to do certain things under the law, okay? And therefore, the law became that which was a rigid set of rules, a rigid set of lifestyle that they prided themselves that they were able to do, or at least in part. Even in Jesus' day had the Pharisees who added during this 400 silent years from Malachi to, to Matthew an additional 400 laws, and then some say even more, to what was already given from God to Moses for as a way to elevate themselves. And thus Jesus could say to them, as even Isaiah, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And that's where we find many today in the church. They honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. They view what the Scripture has to say, whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, as those things by which is a rigid set or that which they do or don't, and instead of remembering the real reason why. Some, when they hear the verse, such as in Romans 6.13, that we are to yield our bodies or our members as instruments of righteousness. View that as that they themselves are put within a confine, a box, so to speak. And if we don't do it exactly just this way, because this is how it's presented from the pulpit or this is how it's presented in Sunday school, then we're not living the Christian life. Forgetting what God told Israel here and what this message still rings throughout the entire New Testament as well as the entire Scripture, what I would bring to you this morning is this. The specific topic is a healthy church is a giving church. But what I really want to, and I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll hit that, but I, what I really want you to see is that the last part of verse 23, let's read 22 and 23 together, which says, Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy seed, that the field bringeth forth year by year. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of thy corn and of thy wine and of thy oil and the firstlings of thy herd and thy flocks. And church, this is what I want you to leave with today. That thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the music we've heard and we have participated in. 
in worshiping you. But now, Lord, we come to the part where we want to hear from your word. I'm just a messenger, Father. It is your word that is true. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. That David says in Psalms 119, verse 160, that thy word is true from the beginning. And Lord, I pray today that we would focus our attention on the truth of thy word. That we'd have our minds and hearts open to receive what it reveals to us this day. That through the presentation or the preaching of your word, Lord, May we understand what you've always had presented before us throughout your word. Lord, I pray today that we would set aside anything that would create an obstacle in our minds. The Lord, we would set aside anything, any preoccupation or worries or fears or anything that would cause a hindrance to your word this morning in each individual heart. And Father, I also pray that you would give me the words to speak. And I also pray, Lord, you give me the strength to bring forth what your word has to say. I count myself as nothing more but as an instrument of your use. And Father, I pray that your words will be spoken this morning. Father, bless now this time. We love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. It is very easy for us as believers to read the law and say, wow, what a strict set of lifestyle. What a strict set of rules that you have to live by. You know, and even when you consider what Paul wrote in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, that whereby the blood of bulls and goats, they didn't have any power to take away sin. And we even have to ask ourselves the question, how faithful would we be to such a practice if we knew what we were doing didn't have the power to take away our sins? And yet today we live in the age of grace, Right? We live in a time of what we call the church age. Jesus died on the cross, and by his blood, we can have the forgiveness of sins. Amen? In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, by the, according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1.7. But we also get, find ourselves, if we're not careful, in the same trap that Israel fell into through this Christian walk and understanding or thinking that it's a set of do's or don'ts. And yes, the the word is very clear that we are to sanctify ourselves. That we are to live in sanctification. Our our salvation process began with redemption, transformation. We are now in this part of being sanctified, being conformed to the image of Christ, which God predestinated should be in Romans 8.29. But then finally, when we reach heaven, we'll be glorified with that glorified body. But we many times forget what through the, throughout the entire Scripture, the theme of what God has always wanted from his people, whether it's Israel or the church today, and that is this. When you live and when you do what I've asked you to do, do so that you may learn to fear or reverence, respect, honor, and appreciate who I am. Therefore, when we talk about giving, it's not an issue of whether you call it tithing or faith promise or proportional giving or grace giving or whatever other title that people have come up with during these days and trying to explain away whether you should or should not do it. No, it's the issue is are you doing it so that you may learn to fear God or reverence God, respect God with what you have been given by him always. And that's the benchmark 
whether it's giving, whether it's serving in the church, whether it's singing in the choir, whether it's being a trustee here in the church, whether it's giving out a track, whether it's doing anything that is to be for the body of Christ. Every one of you have gifts and talents that are supposed to be used in, in respect to help edify and to promote the ministry and to help bring about here in this church the work which God has designed it to be. But over all that, don't forget, the real reason to do this is because you are wanting to gain each time a greater reverence, a greater respect for God. God laid out for Israel actually three different tithes that they were supposed to do. The first was to be given so that the Levites at the temple and those could, they could have what was needed to sustain not only the, the temple, but also their lives. The second one, was which what we read here, was that which they were to do each year in, in respect of giving back to God what he has blessed them with through their grain and through their, through their harvest and through their animals. And then the third one was they were to do every three years so as to provide for the poor as well as the Levites and so forth. But these three tithes that they were to give in some years amounted up to 30% of everything that they had that year. But again, it wasn't to concentrate on tithing on, as Jesus said even to the Pharisees, that they tithed on their, their seeds and they tithed on every little detail of their life. No, it was so that they, every time they did this, they would learn once again to, re- to revere, to respect, to honor God with what they have. So therefore today, folks, I want us to look at a few portions here. At first of all, in verse 23, in this last statement where it says that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always, it first of all <clears throat> brings us a few things. First, it brings about that it's a progression. It is that which is not learned just by doing it one time. And that is the way much of the Christian life is. Once we're saved, once we've asked Christ to become our Savior, from that point on, Paul's writes in Philippians 1.6 that God wants to do a good work in your life. Being confident through everything that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is a daily progression by which God wants to work and continue to work in your life. Therefore, Philippians 2.13, for it is God that worketh in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. It's not just a one-time thing. We like to be the one and done people, don't we? Right? But being a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ is not going to class just one time. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is what Jesus said in in Luke 9.23, that you take up your cross, that you deny yourself, and you do this daily. Therefore, if you're going to reverence and fear and honor God, and learn to do this, 
It's not just doing it one time and say, whew, glad I got that out of the way. But we like to be those type of people. Okay, I got the check mark of doing that. Okay, let's move on to the next thing and be satisfied. But this is actual progression, much like what we see in Second, in second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And if you guys will show that on the screen, please. Verses 3 and 4 in this chapter talks about how that we have been saved and we've been given such uh, great blessings. But besides, and then, but after being saved, Peter says, besides this, giving all diligence. Now, what does the word diligence mean? You've got, you have got some dedication to this. You've got purpose to this. That you have a strong desire for this. Uh, and I apologize if sometimes I start, start throwing in some Spanish, but the word here for, uh, in, for diligence in, 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 is a equal to the Spanish word of being anelo, which means it is a huge, strong desire with purpose that nothing is going to get in your way and stop you from doing it. So therefore, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and to, your virtu- and to virtue knowledge. Okay? And we'll go on to verse 6 and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. And verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. So we have this list now that Peter says that we are to give all diligence, that we're to do. You say, well, Brother Brian, there's not anything about giving in there. Just hold on, okay? Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But verse 8 then gives us the huge clarity for this. For if these things be in you and abound. Not just something that happens one time. Not one time, one day you say, well, whew, I'm glad I added to my faith knowledge today. I'm good to go. No. This is something that is a, something you have diligence to do. Something you desire to do. Something that is strong in your heart that you say, I've got to be in the word of God to be able to complete this. I've got to spend time in the word. I've got to be around God's people to be able to do this. It's a priority in your life, not a convenience, a priority. Peter says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you neither be barren nor unfruitful in what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the more you get to know Jesus guess what? The more you're going to reverence him. The more you're going to honor him. The more you're going to want to do those things which draw you closer to him. The more you want to do those things that from your heart you say, Lord, I love you. Why? Because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. But then he also says in John 15, 10, that he said that, As you keep my commandments, you abide in my love as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So therefore, folks, church, loving God is demonstrated through your obedience, but obedience then demonstrates how much you love him. It is a circular thing. The same was with whether you tithe, give faith promise, and serve here in the church. It should be that which creates a deeper reverence and fear, respect for God every time you do it. 
So the question is, is that your motive then? Or is your motive for tithing simply because you feel like you have, and as uh, Travis said this morning, it's going to be a little harsh here, but simply because you feel like you have, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back agreement with God based upon how it's been presented through preaching and teaching of certain verses. If that's your attitude about giving, then you have the wrong attitude about it. Because you have to understand, we are giving our tithes and offerings and faith promise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who said in Psalms 24.1 that the earth is mine, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. What does God really need from us? I like to view this illustration, and please give me your attention here, but I love to view this illustration as if we lived 300 years ago and we were under the rule of a physical king. That king owns everything in the kingdom, the treasury, the money, the lands, everything. But if he were to ask you to bring him a gift... Would you do so out of lip service in hopes that the king would then honor you with something? Or would you strictly do it simply because you honor and reverence the king? And that's what God is saying I'm looking for from you when you give. When you tithe. When you give your faith promise. When you give of yourself completely as an instrument of righteousness, Romans 6, 13. He said, I'm asking that you do this so that you may learn and continue to learn to reverence me. This is what I, I explained to the people in Nicaragua. At Iglesia Baptista Palabra de Vida en Matiare. And instead of the concept of whether trying to show them that tithing is all through the Scripture, because the argument has always been, oh, the tithing is just Old Testament. Forget that. I showed them that through this verse, it's supposed to be done so that you may fear and reverence and honor and appreciate God. Everything that you and I have is because God has provided it for us. Everything that Israel received for this particular tithe of the grain and their flocks and their cattle and such, it was only because God provided that. And he said, I want you to fear me. I want you to reverence me by giving back. Your heart motivation behind this isn't to just pay me lip service. Just so you can say, got that done. I'm good to go. But each time when you drop your envelope in the plate, folks, it should stir in your heart a deeper reverence for God. Because as the king, he's asked you to give. The other thing we can see in that phrase, though, is this, that, that you, this person or the, the individual that desires because they it understand it's an ongoing process, they also want to, through this, learn. They're teachable. Okay? How many times throughout Psalms 119, David said, Teach me thy ways, O Lord, or teach me thy truths. 
Okay? It is an ongoing process. Why? Because this old flesh does not want you to obey in that respect. Why do you think Paul says in Galatians 5, uh, 16 and 17, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the Spirit and the flesh, they war against each other, and they are contrary. Your flesh and my flesh is no different. We're just as sinful as can be. And because our flesh wants to rebel against anything and everything, When it comes to this part about giving, it's easy for us to stiffen up, say, I don't care how many times you show me in the Bible, I'm not going to do it. And you've forgotten that if you're saved, God's saying, I'm really just wanting you to reverence me with this. I'm wanting you to fear me. I'm wanting you to respect me. Doesn't that put a different light in how we should view giving then? Shouldn't that, doesn't that put a different light on how our heart attitude and motivation should be when it comes to tithing and giving? And as we also look at this as being that which is not only a process, but is that which we are willing to be taught or learn, then we also understand that this, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always is understanding who really is the recipient here. And what I mean by that is this. Our motivation is to reverence God. And whether he decides to bless or not, that's up to him. You say, but Malachi 3.10, God said that he'll open the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing on us that we're not be able to contain. That is true. But does that verse say it'll happen immediately? No, because God is sovereign and God is in control. God says, I will keep my word. But it's at my time. It's when I decide to do it. There's been many times in our lives with Sandy and I that... We've been faithful in giving, faithful in tithing and such. And I'll be honest with you. I'm like, I, there's been, there were many times in my mind until I saw this, I had the thought, I, God, I've done my part. How come I'm not seeing any return on this? And if you're honest, some of you have thought the same thing. But that's where the rubber meets the road in the respect of understanding that it is God who decides when and where and how much he will bless. That's not left up to us. That it's left up to the Lord. And that then also should create and strengthen and deepen a, a reverence and respect for God. Because it is he who directs the affairs of all of us. He knows that exact moment when you need that blessing. Does he not? So you say, well, okay, you said a lot about that we may learn to fear the Lord always. How do we do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
And with, briefly, let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 actually gives us a secret on how you and I can learn to fear the Lord always through our giving and actually through everything we do in our life. Okay? One verse, 2 Corinthians 8, 5, says this, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. First of all, at this, in this portion of Scripture, you're very familiar with it. You know this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth about the believers in Macedonia. The believers there who were, were so poor that the, that the Roman government didn't even tax them. But yet when the need came up in Jerusalem for funds and for other things to be able to help the believers in Jerusalem, this group of people in Macedonia outdid the abundant church economically speaking, the abundant church in Corinth. In fact, Corinth had gone a whole year. They said, oh, well, we're going to do this, Brother Paul. Hallelujah. Checks in the mail, right? But they had gone an entire year and still had not fulfilled their promise. But the church at Macedonia, the believers there, they were eager to help. Coming from a group of, of people that were so poor that the Roman government didn't even tax them, they knew the secret, though, to giving. They knew the secret that by doing so, they were reverencing and they were fearing and respecting and honoring God, but they did it by first doing this one thing, and that is this, verse 5 again, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord. If you don't do that, if your heart, if your life is not given completely over to God, if you are not what Paul says in Romans 12:1, that person who has given themselves as a living sacrifice, which is a reasonable service, then all this rest that, that I've said and all the rest that's going to follow is not going to mean much to you. Because again, as individuals, even, yes, as Christians... Children of God, we have to yield ourselves unto him. We have to be those people, that, as Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, that we strip off those things of the old man and replace it with the new. And if we're not continually doing that, the only way that's going to happen is by giving ourselves to God. Let him reveal that which needs to be corrected in our life. Let his word reveal to us that which we need to change in our lives. And by doing so, by making these changes, by being obedient, by giving ourselves first to the Lord, we can strengthen that reverence for Him. We can strengthen that honor that we want to give Him. We can strengthen that respect that He deserves. Because you see, if you haven't caught this already, I hope you understand this. Honoring and reverencing and respecting the Lord is not coming from here. In Michaela's song, the word believe was repeated many times over. I believe in Jesus, I believe in and many of the other you know, many other times. The word believe in the in the New Testament in the Greek carries the expression and the understanding that it is not just with by confessing it here but that your actions prove what your words say. It's easy for us in the midst of the congregation to say, oh, I love the Lord. I honor God. 
But if your actions don't prove that, then your words mean nothing. We can say that we, that we believe the scripture, but if we never read it, then our words are vain. We can say that, yes, I know and I, that I'm to, I am to tithe and I, and I believe that tithing is right, but if you don't do it, then your words are vain. And the people at Macedonia knew that and they understood that and they gave themselves to the Lord first. Therefore, there was no... There was no analyzing of whether it should be done or not. It was, there was no time in discussion spent or arguing, well, what is appropriate here? No, they gave themselves to God, and in, through that action, not only was the church in, in Jerusalem recipients of that, but they also proved that they reverenced God with their actions, with their lives. How much do you then show that you're learning to fear God through what you do? Or is it just words that you speak? And as we look at their actions, Paul, in chapter 9, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, He even goes on to explain this. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth what? You can say it, Battlefield. God loveth what? Yeah, I can see some cheerfulness there. Okay? No, the cheerfulness is the fact that not, not giving it only with a smile, but it's giving it because, wow, Guess what I'm doing right now? I'm reverencing and I'm honoring God with what I'm giving. Is is the amount I give the same as, as Chris? No. But I'm still honoring and giving and reverencing God. And shouldn't that make us happy? Shouldn't that make us cheerful that we get to participate in something that God says, when you do it, because you've given yourself to me, you're honoring me. I don't know of any, other, any better person I would want to honor than my Savior. How much does your salvation mean to you? Is it only your ticket into heaven? How much does your salvation mean to you? I've already mentioned Ephesians 1, 7, but let's look, just think on that just a little bit again. In whom you have redemption through his blood. We sang the song, Jesus Messiah. He became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Paul even writes that Jesus became poor that we might become rich. How much does your salvation mean to you? Don't you think it's worth 
doing those things then which demonstrates that you honor and reverence and fear God. And tithing and giving is just a small portion of that. But it all starts with giving yourself to God as a believer. Being that individual says, I give my life to you, God. I'm going to take up my cross daily. I'm going to deny myself, and I'm going to follow you as what you asked me to do in Luke 9.23. But then in verse 5 of Second Corinthians 8, then it says this, and unto us by the will of God. When you give yourself to the Lord first, then you're going to know what he wants you to do thereafter. You're going to know how much you should give. The tithe is very plain, okay? But thereafter, what you give, God will reveal that to you. You will know. What do you think Jesus said in John 8, 12? I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness. You'll not walk in doubt. You'll not walk in obscurity. You'll not walk in not knowing. You'll walk in the light of life. Why? Because the steps of the Savior will be illuminated and you follow in his steps. And where he leads, I'll go. And therefore, you won't have any doubts about what you're supposed to do. You won't have any misdirections. And you will do what Peter says, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Because you see, folks, as we reverence God, we understand then by continuing to do that, by continuing to give, by continuing to give of myself first to Him, by continuing to be obedient to His will, then that strengthens my reverence for Him, and I grow more to be like Jesus. I grow more in understanding who Jesus is. I grow more in understanding that I am to be conformable unto His image. And therefore, Paul could write in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And the, and the message of that verse is this. Paul says, I'm willing to do anything to strengthen my relationship with Christ, even if it means that I die the exact same way that he died. Church, when you give, when you tithe, are you feeling a deeper reverence for God by doing so? Or is your motive just because that's what you've been told to do? Because if you do it, out of reverence, then no matter what happens in life, you'll always give. 
No matter what economic situation you find yourself in, you'll always give. Because why? Reverencing the king isn't dependent upon your own personal situation. I'll say that again. Reverencing and honoring the king is not dependent on your own personal situation. But doing according to the will of God is what he's looking for. I've given this illustration before, but I'll close with this. Because it it had such a deep impact on my life. Some of you may know that Sandy and I were missionaries in Honduras before coming to work here at Battlefield Baptist Church in the in the 90s. The area where we lived in the mountainous area of, in the western part of Honduras, their main crop that they grew was coffee. And for majority, a vast majority of the people in that area, coffee was their their sole income. The sale of coffee was their sole income. So after the coffee harvest, they would, they would prepare the beans so they could be uh, shipped and sold. And there was an individual in town that had a huge truck that would take their, their coffee to market, sell it for them, and return with what the, whatever the price was, what, whatever their uh, coffee was worth. Now, I know we're talking the 90s. Things even here are different. We were economically different than they are today, but this is not what I want you to concentrate on. I want you to concentrate on the other aspect of this illustration, true story. There were some years because the coffee of price bottomed out and because some of them didn't have large tracts of land that they owned for growing coffee, that when they received their money, And this is what they had to live on for the rest of the year. They received $350. Not for one month, but that was what they had to survive or as their workable cash for the rest of the, for the entire year until the next time the coffee harvest came and they sold their crop again. There were people in the church, especially in the village of Kakawal, that that affected the greatest. And as I said, things economically in the 90s were different than what they are today, but don't concentrate on that, but concentrate on this. In spite of only receiving $350 to live on until the next coffee harvest, they still tithed and they still gave. Why? Because they felt obligated to do so? No. They knew that by giving They were reverencing God. They were honoring God. And each time, it strengthened that reverence and that honor and that fear for the Lord because they gave themselves first to Him. And then they were obedient to the will of God. A healthy church is a giving church. Why? Because that healthy giving church each individual wants to strengthen and, and prove their reverence for God through this act of giving. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.